0: This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded.
1: Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to pathwayscg.com. That's pathwayscg.com. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch. Sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world.
2: It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change.
1: Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving
3: what you have been given.
2: Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today... My hope is that more women will find their own voice.
1: Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women To Watch, Sue Rocco.
2: Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women To Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's always great to be back. A brief reminder before we get started to stay with us during the breaks, where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors. These are all women leaders at their organizations who bring news, education, and expertise from their industries to the show each week. And as we continue to expand into new markets, we are always looking for more women to be a part of the show. So if you're interested, feel free to email laura at womentowatch.net. And don't forget as well to download the podcast and listen from any major podcast platform by visiting Women to Watch as well. So now I'm thrilled and honored to welcome to the show Dr. Nicole Sapphire. Nicole is a radiologist with Memorial Sloan Kettering. She is a professor at Cornell Wheel Hospital in New York, a Fox News contributor, and the author of two books Make America Healthy Again and Her Most Recent Panic Attack. Uh, and most importantly, Nicole's the mother of three boys. So, Nicole, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to be on. It's great to have you. And I, I understand you're joining us from New York. So you're experiencing the same heat that everyone in the country <laughs> is. <laughs> well, luckily, they keep hospitals very cold. But yes, when I look right. outside, it is like being wrapped in a very large blanket. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's tough. Um, listen, I wanted to start off with a quote because as it's always important to me that we kind of bring forward uh most defining moments for our guests here. And and I think this quote uh, really defines that for you. You said, having my son my senior year of high school was the most defining moment of my life. And I wanted to talk about the first question I had for you is tell us what those emotions were for you at that time, finding that out. Well, I mean, sure, any... Form
4: of anything that kind of veers you off of your path um, as you are growing up, you know, really formulates who you're going to be as a person. And for me, I became pregnant when I was 17. I was, it was the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. I had big plans of going to the Northeast for college and I got pregnant and I found myself at a crossroads and I made the decision to, you know, have my child. But that wasn't an easy decision to come to. I had a lot of different opinions surrounding me. And, you know, there was a mixture of shame, uh, sadness, uh, disappointment, guilt, uh, you know, and really being scared as a 17-year-old. And there was a ton of people around me saying, you know, giving me positive feedback and positive encouragement. It was more You know if you continue with the pregnancy you know you will probably not reach your goals in life and that was you know that was a really tough pill to swallow especially for someone like myself who's type a and kind of always saw my path and i was working very hard on it but um you know ultimately i built my cadre of support with my family and friends and you know here we are now and i've reached every single goal that i had back when i was 17 and maybe even surpassed them
2: Yes, a hundred percent. I want to tell me how I would think fear uh, would have been at the top of the list of the emotions. And tell me how you, even today, are someone that uh, moves through fear. Do you know, is there a mantra, something that you say to yourself? Well,
4: the unknown, um, that is probably one of the biggest disruptors in all of our lives. You know, we 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 kind of like to do things that are expected. You know, maybe there are some risk takers, but for the majority of us, we like our routines. And when something takes you from that routine and you don't really know what the outcome is going to be, that, of course, is going to have some fear along with it. And, you know, I'm still dealing with that. If you try something new, will you be rejected? Is it going to fail? You know, how will this affect you and your family or your career? And so you just have to make smart decisions. And for me, I'm not a huge risk taker. But I have gotten to the point in my life that rejection is okay, where it doesn't necessarily affect me negatively mentally, as long as I know I give my 100%. So I like to intellectualize things. And so if I'm fearful of something, if I'm fearful of trying something new, you know, I learn as much as I can about that. I make sure I give my 100% to it. And if it doesn't turn out the way I want to, I know that it was not because of something that I've done.
2: Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's a really great perspective. And you are someone who um, you put yourself out very much in a public way. um, In addition to the work you do um, at the hospital and, and everyone knows how scary that can be in today's world. You know, where do you find the courage to, to speak out that way?
4: Well, when you have, so it's interesting because um, so everyone has an opinion on something, but some people keep it to themselves because that any sort of criticism of their opinion can really affect your mental health. So for me, I'll be honest on social media, I don't see most of the comments or the negative commentary because I don't think that that in itself is productive. Um, so as long as I stand behind my opinions, I do everything that I can to make sure that they're fact-based. They're not mm-hmm. full of rhetoric then mm-hmm. any criticism of me is not really me. It's coming from the person criticizing me. And it's okay if they don't agree with me. That's the best thing about living in our country. You can have disagreements. But when you have someone who's criticizing you just to criticize you and it's not not anything productive, well, that's not helpful at all. And so I do. I don't really pay attention to that. And I'm very careful in everything that I say, everything that I do, and everything that I put out on social media. Again, I'm I'm not someone who's ever rage tweeting or tweeting without thinking. There are a lot there's a lot of thought that goes into everything that I say and I again make sure that it's backed up by data. So if I am criticized, I am able to feel confident in where I stand.
2: You know, it's really, Nicole, one of the things I, I very much respect about what you put out there. It's always so fact based and and I feel as though, you know, it's very hard. Um, for us to know in media today or social media, especially what's true and what's not. And, um, you know, doctors tend to be these intellectual problem solvers. Um, is Are you excited and digging in and trying to find the facts about what's currently happening in the world? Is it something that, you know, gets you excited? Well, I will tell you one of the biggest disappointments that has come out of this entire pandemic
4: is that People have politicized and taken normal scientific discord when scientists and physicians disagree, and they've turned that into a crisis of its own, when really that's normal. And that disagreement is really what puts forth our biggest discoveries. So the fact that I may disagree with someone else, that's okay. It is that thoughtful discussion, that intellectual banter, that will get us to where we need to be. But unfortunately, people have turned that into partisan warfare. And all of a sudden, if you believe one thing or another, you quickly are pushed to one side of the political aisle, which it's really not, has nothing to
2: do with that. Nicole, we're going to go into our first break, and we will be back. Stay with us for our watch team, and I'll be back with Nicole Sapphire. Now,
1: the women to watch, Health Watch.
5: For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. July 4th, happy birthday, America. Here are a couple of tips for a safe holiday. Enjoy the fireworks, and it's probably best to leave them to the professionals. But if you do have your own show, don't be one of those people who end up in the emergency department with an injury. Wear goggles to protect your eyes in case of an explosion. Keep a supply of water nearby. Never give fireworks to a small child, including sparklers, and never point one toward people, pets, or anything flammable, including cars. Store fireworks in a cool, dry place away from kids and pets. With enough heat, they can ignite. And if you go to a show, stay at least 500 feet away from the display. As we talk about fire, remember always supervise the grill when in use. Keep children, pets, elderly away. Don't add additional starter fluid when the coals are already ignited. Use long-handled tools, especially made for cooking on the grill, to keep the chef safe. Add protective gloves for the same reason. Never grill indoors. Keep the grill out in the open, away from the house, deck, trees, branches, leaves, anything that could catch fire. Keep your food out of the sun. Have a cooler with lots of ice or freezer gel packs. The other hot topic... Heat illness. You may feel lightheaded if you've been standing for a while in the heat or in front of the grill, or if you're sitting for a while and you stand up suddenly. Heavy sweating, overexertion without enough fluids can lead to heat exhaustion, dehydration, drop in blood pressure, rapid heartbreat, headache, muscle cramps. Get to the shade, drink lots of fluid, cool cloths. And if a person has red hot skin, a high temp, change in consciousness, or vomiting, don't wait. It could be heat stroke. Call 911-STAT. Put the person in shade and apply cool towels and bags of ice. Happy 4th. And as my father would say, swallow some firecrackers and your hair will come out in bangs. He was just kidding.
1: Now, the Women to Watch. Military Watch.
6: Hi. Hi. I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBCUniversal. Today, our nation celebrates its 245th birthday. And as we recognize the Fourth of July, I can't help but think about the generations of service members who have stepped forward to defend and protect our country since it became an independent nation in 1776. While Independence Day has become known for enjoying barbecues with family and friends, it is also about so much more. It serves as a reminder that the liberty we enjoy as Americans is not easy to achieve or to sustain. As we celebrate the 4th, I'll leave you with a quick history lesson about Independence Day. It was on July 2nd, 1776 that the Continental Congress voted in favor of independence. And it was two days later that delegates from the 13 colonies adopted the Declaration of Independence, that historic document drafted by Thomas Jefferson. But like any burgeoning democracy, there was debate and disagreement. John Adams believed that July 2nd was the correct date on which to celebrate the birth of American independence and would reportedly turn down invitations to appear at July 4th events in protest. But he got it right when he said Independence Day will be the most memorable epic in the history of America. He said, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parades, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore. But it turns out that after voting on independence on July 2nd, the Continental Congress then needed to draft that document by Thomas Jefferson to explain it to the public, and it took two more days for the Congress to agree on the edits. So now our independence was officially declared on July 4th through the official signing of the Declaration of Independence. I wish you all a very safe
1: and happy July 4th. This is Women to Watch with Sue
2: Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT welcome back to the show. I'm joined by Dr. Nicole Sapphire. Uh, Nicole is a radiologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering um, and also the author of two books, which we'll be talking about a little bit later in the show. Nicole, something else I wanted to talk about uh, that had to do with your early years was that you also were competitive gymnast, and there certainly um, was a lot in the news this past year about the U.S. Gymnastics Organization, and I wonder what you were thinking when that news broke. Well, which news
4: specifically are you referring to?
2: Well, the the, uh, the abuse that was taking place within the organization.
4: Well, so, you know... They, U.S. gymnastics has undergone a lot of scrutiny. There was uh, claims of sexual abuse, but that from a side, I can't even begin to speak on that. uh, That has nothing, I I never experienced anything of that, but I can speak to the other sort of abuse, the uh, mental and other forms of physical abuse that I think a lot of competitive athletes in general really endure. Um, especially gymnastics in the sense that it is all about body fat and being able to propel yourself up and you know, I can tell you myself, um, when I if I do something at work or just in my day life where maybe I I didn't do my best or something didn't turn out right, I will still dream about my coach and he is the one telling me that I, I did a bad job. So is that a little bit of PTSD? Maybe. Um, I definitely, (laughs) I will say that it molded me in the sense that I have strong discipline uh, physically and mentally. And I work very hard at what I do. But I can tell you that my coach at one point told me, I think I was around 15 or 16, that I was getting fat. And so suggested I consider becoming a vegetarian. (laughs) So I did. And it took until I was married when my husband essentially just said, "Why aren't you? Why are you vegetarian again?" I'm like, "I don't really know. I just am." And he's like, "Maybe you should not be anymore." And so I he introduced meat back into my life in my late twenties, early thirties.
2: Wow. I mean, I can't, you know, that's, that's the worst thing to hear as a young girl. Um, By the way, I understand you're, you know, recuperating from um, a fall. And I have to tell you, when you were talking about the physical therapy you were having on your shoulder, I was having phantom pain because I had a frozen shoulder myself at one point. And every time I had to go for that physical therapy, I cried. How are you doing today? Well, so as a gymnast, I've had
4: three ACLs on my knee, and I've actually had both of my rotator cuffs repaired. That all was 10 to 20 years ago. And so I have played things very carefully since then. I don't serve when I play tennis. I don't go above a blue when I'm skiing because I'm deathly afraid of injuring myself. And so what happens? A few days before Christmas, I fall down my staircase. Top to bottom, I went 18 stairs. And I had several injuries, but the worst of them was my shoulder, um, which has now taken two surgeries to fix. The first surgery, they repaired the bicep, the rotator cuff, and the pectoralis muscle. And after about eight weeks in the sling and three weeks of therapy, it was still falling out of place and very obvious it needed more repair. So we went in for the second surgery and they repaired the labrum and the capsule,
2: <laughs> Oh my! Gosh. and I'm
4: now seven weeks out from that surgery, and at this point, I won't be starting any more physical therapy for about three months. They just want to take it slow. So oh, good. I can say on a physical level, it's been extremely painful, but on yes. more of a mental level, it's very difficult. Um, I feel like I've been somewhat incapacitated now since Christmas, and as a mother, as someone who mm-hmm. uses her hands when she works every day, it's hard when you can't do your day-to-day routine and you know it's a struggle physically and mentally.
2: It is. I mean, chronic pain is uh can be so depressing and for someone like you that um you you really have a lot of different things going on juggling children uh and your career. Um I, I can't imagine what that's like, but would you say that your um physical wellness is, has brought you further than perhaps someone else who had that fall and wasn't as healthy as you?
4: I think, I think um, for a lot of people that that fall may have led to maybe an opioid addiction, um, severe, you know, major depressive episode. Um, mm. And I am grateful that I have come out of it on the end without that I, I will tell you it was difficult, um, but I, I said to my husband and my doctor several times, a couple times throughout the months, I said this: this is the moment people get addicted to opioids because the pain mm-hmm. is just too much, and the end's not in sight. Um, and so, you know, through just working it out, and um, I have just been able to not get there, and again, very grateful for that, and. I seem to be on the other end of it now. I'm a couple weeks out of the sling, and I'm beginning to use my arm again, but I'm quite – it's a, its frozen, as you say, and so that's yeah. causing pain in other areas. But um, I'm able to start using it again, and that's been the biggest blessing, I guess. So I actually feel like I'm uh, contributing again.
2: Right. I bet. And, and and also grateful that you did not hit your head, Right. That so, been so that much was worse. what happened.
4: I put my arm out behind me and I protect.
3: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink or Arizona tea for 77 cents each. All with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
4: Did my head and neck. And yes. so I destroyed my shoulder, but my husband is a neurosurgeon and he's actually had a young woman who died from falling downstairs and hitting her head. Mm. So while the last six months have been difficult, there are far, and also as someone who delivers the cancer diagnosis to people every day, I can tell you there are far worse things to deal with and, while I'm not minimizing my own pain and what I went through, it is good to keep things in perspective that it could have been much worse. And, you know, I'm should be i grateful every day that I am in the position I am and coming
2: out on the other end. Nicole, do you have any belief that it was some kind of a wake up call for you? Um, interesting
4: question. You know, I go, 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 I, especially during COVID. I mean, I've continued to work full time. My husband's gone into the hospital full-time and I you know I've been on TV more than I've ever been for the last year and a half I wrote right. a book during this time um, it's been a very busy time and this was a forced halting of that even though I haven't mm-hmm. really stopped because I've ha- I actually haven't taken leave time I've still gone into work and I've still done TV but um, it was uh, to be honest it was probably one of the most challenging six months and I can tell you that I think I've had some challenging six months, having a child in high school, going to medical school. and But this, this one definitely made me press pause. And coming out the other side of it now, I'm realizing that maybe it is time to slow down a bit. Mm.
2: It made me think, um, and I'm sure you know Arianna Huffington's story of falling and hitting her head on her office desk. <laughs> and Right? And, and kind of changing her... Um, her philosophy. Listen, we're going to go into our next break. And um, when we come back, I want to talk um, about your books, specifically, um, Make America Healthy Again. Stay with us for our watch team, and we'll be back with Dr. Nicole Sapphire.
1: Now, the Women to Watch, Tech Watch.
2: Hi, I'm Mary Manso
1: from Pathways Consulting Group.
3: Early in my career in the 90s, I was introduced to my first role in a New Jersey-based technology company. I was brought in as the manager of All Things Operational as employee number six. I was one of two women in the office when I started, and as the company grew, I became very aware of how few women I encountered in the tech industry, both in the company and our customers. After 10 years, we reached our goal of $100 million in annual revenue. I had a seat on the leadership team and felt good about my contributions and thought it was time to discuss career path with my boss. His response was that unless I wanted his job, there was none. This response made me so angry, and I quickly opened my eyes. He didn't care what I wanted to do or what my goals and aspirations were, and I realized that if I wanted to advance and take my talents to the next level, I'd have to get out of my own way and reach the level of confidence needed to achieve what I wanted in a male-dominated industry. What I discovered was that all those years, I subconsciously allowed myself to be intimidated by the men around me, and if I wanted to be successful, I had to stop. Stop looking at men as men and women as women and focus more on carrying myself with the level of confidence needed to be a leader and to adjust the way I would deliver my message regardless of the audience. I realized that I needed to focus on my role and not the gender in the room. The good news is that the gender gap is closing in the tech industry because of the stories of the past and the lessons that have been learned. I think it's important to share our experiences to help young girls shape their dreams and future, whether it's in the tech industry or something else. What's your story? Email me at mary at pathwaycg.com.
2: Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net, so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T.
1: Now, the Women to Watch, nonprofit. watch.
7: Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I am Cheryl Mackey, lead of financial empowerment at United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. On June 6th, I had the pleasure of attending the annual flower show that has been delighting the greater Philadelphia residents for years. As a native Philadelphian, I am embarrassed to state that this was my first time attending. However, I loved it and it was beautiful. Located this year outside at FDR Park in South Philly, it is created and hosted by the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society. THS is a longstanding United Way partner who isn't just hosting wonderful exhibits that show off botanical grandeur, but they are building on their extensive legacy, mobilizing gardeners, connecting community garden groups with local food pantries, and educating the public on gardening for nearly 200 years. In the spring of 2020, PHS launched Harvest Initiative to support growing regionally food insecurity due to the COVID pandemic. In 2018, 16.3% of households in Philadelphia were food insecure, meaning they did not have enough food to live healthy, active lives. Food insecurity in Philadelphia is estimated to have increased to nearly 22% because of COVID-19, meaning another 90,000 residents will have difficulty accessing enough healthy food to feed their families. Pre-COVID-19, Philadelphia County ranked as the 10th highest populated city with food insecure residents. Many food pantries have experienced a 30 to 50% increase in demand due to COVID-19. CHS's Harvest Initiative is a collective effort that people can join to fight food insecurity in the greater Philadelphia region by growing food and sharing their own harvests with their families and their communities. THS has partnered with local food relief organizations, including SHARE, Full Abundance, and the Greater Philadelphia Coalition Against Hunger they mobilized over 10,000 gardeners to grow and share more food in their community. During the 2021 growing season, PHS will continue to systemically increase the number of gardeners in the Philadelphia region and help stabilize our local food system, creating relationships between gardeners and food relief organizations that will last beyond the scope of this project. To learn more and ways to get involved, please check out P H S I am Cheryl Mackey. Thanks for listening.
1: You're listening to women to watch with Sue Rocco on talk radio, 1210 W P H T.
2: Welcome back to the show. I'm joined by Dr. Nicole Sapphire and, uh, Nicole, one of the things I think that probably jumpstarted your, I'll say, you know, notoriety was the book you wrote, make America healthy again. And, um, It's so common sense to me, you know, the premise behind um, if people took better care of themselves, you know, preventatively, there'd be uh, benefits on so many levels. Tell me what sparked uh, your choice or decision, I should say, to do it, to write it. Well,
4: well, in truth, I wrote it the year that my oldest son was graduating his senior year of high school. That was my catharsis because I had been a mother to him. I still am a mother, of course, but I mean, since I was 17, my goal was essentially to keep him alive. (laughs) And when he was graduating high school, it was like, oh my gosh, I have done it. But now what do I do? (laughs) Even though I had two younger kids, it was toying with my emotions. So I needed to channel some of that emotion and so because um, I'm a breast imaging specialist, so my job is to find cancers, mainly breast cancers, but I also read other types of imaging at the earliest possible stages. And when I deliver the cancer diagnosis, one of the things that I has, has really jarred me is that it takes a cancer diagnosis for people to want to start living a healthier life. And in truth, uh, anywhere up to 40 to 50 percent of all cancers may be prevented had that choice to lead a healthier life been instituted years ago and what i wanted to do with make america healthy again was really educate people so i broke it down into the leading causes of death cardiovascular disease cancer i also talked about opioid crisis mental health and how much of that yes some of it a lot of it's in your genes a lot of things you can't prevent but how much of it actually can be prevented and But then I also tie into the fact that you know politics and medicine, unfortunately, are very intertwined. And while people go back and forth, whether they want single-payer health care or privatized health insurance, I'm like, listen, guys, nothing's going to work unless we rein in the health care costs. And mm-hmm. the way to do that is by all of us leading a little bit healthier of lives. And I really show from a monetary level how much we could save as a nation if people just took, I'm not saying for everyone to become fitness models or health gurus. All we have to do are make little baby steps to just live healthier lives. We would not only live longer, live better, but we would decrease the amount that our health care actually costs. And therefore, any policy, health policy moving forward would have a better shot at working. And so I really go into that because for me, I feel like if people can educate themselves, then they can make the best choices for them and their family.
2: Well, something interesting you've said is, is that the next pandemic will be a mental one. And I think it's so obvious that uh, mental well-being is tied directly to people's health and wellness. And so people are choosing uh, or making bad choices, I should say, in order to cope, in order to feel better, to to fuel their emotional Um, fears and distress. So how do you it seems like such a big task to change the mindset of people once they're once you educate them.
4: Well, interestingly, I think COVID-19, you know, so Make America Healthy again again, came out right as COVID-19 hit, which is not the best timing for your first book to come out when bookstores are all closed. But thankfully, you know, it still became a bestseller because What did we learn with COVID-19? Well, the people who were most vulnerable were those with chronic morbidities. And the healthier you were, the healthier, the stronger you were against COVID-19. But one of the things we did see throughout this pandemic was the toll it took on our mental health. And so I think this pandemic for a lot of people has jarred us into we need to live healthier. And maybe for some people, I wouldn't say most people, but the last year and a half, they have really taken that to heart. You see people started exercising more, starting to try and live healthier. But I would say for the majority of people, they actually were more sedentary and maybe drank more alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately, they're gonna have some catching up to do. But I think that messaging needs to be there. We need to continue to show people that we are stronger if we are healthier and show them how they can be healthier, too.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, Listen, we're going to go into our last break. And when we come back, I want to talk about Panic Attack, um, which I think is going to be a very, very important book. Stay with us for our watch team. And I'll be back with Nicole Sapphire next is our coaches corner podcast which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast
0: i'm bj gray with this week's coaches corner Is it hard to stay focused when your adrenaline wears off? I'm the most productive when I'm pushing to get something done because working under pressure suits me. But it's hard to be productive when that adrenaline wears off. And some people have other productivity challenges like unexpectedly their priorities change or they go through something tough. But even those stressful challenges can work for you to stay productive if you don't shame yourself for being stressed out or forgetting or getting discouraged when something shifts at the last minute. It's not bad, and if you're like me, those situations fuel me. I jam under stress, and you know, if you understand the mood that works for you to be productive, you can use it to your advantage. Some people are night owls and get their best results after everyone's gone to bed. I know nighttime productivity is a no-go for me. I'm an early riser, so I don't fire on all cylinders after the sun goes down. But working under pressure requires a lot of self-control, and I recommend visualizing what you want to do so that it can help you stay on task and be productive. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at BJGray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner.
1: This is Women To Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT.
2: Welcome back. I'm having a wonderful conversation with Nicole Sapphire. And, Nicole, I want to take advantage of, of having you um, as a doctor. You have a lot of um, medical knowledge and, and facts that, you know, you do share. Um, the You know, the headlines right now are all about the Delta variant, Um and there's a lot of misinformation. So what can you share with our listeners um, about what you know and, and what perhaps uh, some of the truths are behind it?
4: Well, the Delta variant, it's a variant that's coming out of India, but the truth is you have to know that that variant has actually been circulating in India since about last October. It really became well-known and a variant of interest was when India started having that surge. Their hospital systems were overwhelmed. It was really a time of crisis. But just like we had a time of crisis over the winter months, this was their time of crisis. It's not necessarily that it's this variant that is so much worse. Yes, it does look like it is much more contagious. Um, Some of the data shows that there are more people being hospitalized with it. But again, that was during a time of crisis. And when you have overwhelmed healthcare systems, hospital systems, you may see more hospitalizations, not necessarily because that virus is more dangerous, but just because of the situation. The good news is the data has not shown yet that there is a higher case fatality rate for this variant, just that it's more contagious. The great news, though, is that being fully vaccinated does seem To protect against not only this variant, but all variants. It may be a little bit dampened, but there is still great effectiveness of of preventing severe disease, hospitalization, and death in the fully vaccinated. The people who are getting infected who have been vaccinated tend to be either asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic. So that's great news. The United States, you know, we, we may see some small surges with this variant, especially in the areas where You have low vaccine rates, but for the majority of the country where there have been high vaccine rates, specifically like the Northeast, I don't expect to see the same surges um, as we did any other time, because the vaccines, again, are proving to be protective against this variant.
2: That is great news. That is really good news. Um, So the the premise behind panic attack um, is really to lay out the differences between Hysteria around the pandemic and following the science. Um, And this is just an ongoing conversation. And it's complicated because it does encompass emotions and fear and belief systems. So what can you share about this book and, and what you hope readers will get from it?
4: Just like with my first book, I feel that knowledge is power. And one of the most upsetting things that have come out over the last year and a half was misuse of science um, from the origins of the virus to lockdowns by hydroxychloroquine to face masks to every single thing else and it created a lot of fear. We're still seeing a lot of fear and unfortunately some of that fear is not necessary and so what I tried to do was I took the most controversial topics and I broke down the various different theories. I talk about why they became controversial in the first place um, and for me, if people can read it and educate themselves, then they won't get caught up in what the, what's happening in the media or anywhere else because facts over fear and knowledge is power.
2: Nicole, tell me how, as somebody who's very in tune with the news and what's happening, uh, I think a lot of, I'll say lay people um, find themselves having to, they want to be in the know, but then you have to pull away because there's so much horrific stories out there. How do you manage that kind of knowledge and really putting it in in perspective?
4: You know, for me, I am an academic. I'm in research. So I read. I read a lot. And I don't just read headlines. And when I'm reading, the first thing I look at are disclosures and limitations of that study. So that's unfortunately a lot of people were taking different studies and they are making them into headlines, but it wasn't, it was being misinterpreted. And you can always find a study or an article that's going to fit your narrative. But it's important to make sure it's not opinion leading the way and it is truly fact-based. Mm. Right. Um, and when it comes to COVID-19, it's not one-size-fits-all. Despite how hard the CDC and other people are trying to make it, it's not. And so moving forward, everything needs to be done on an individual
2: basis. Uh, Nicole, we only have a minute left. Tell me quickly about your life with your husband and three sons. I'm I'm curious what you think your sons are learning from you as their mom um, watching your successful career.
4: Well, they always like to say that I have three jobs, hospital, author, and TV. And so, um, for me, I continue to try and talk to them about you know, again, why are we wearing a mask or why are people getting vaccinated? And so, again, if you I, I wanted to make sure that they didn't have the same mental health challenges as I was hearing about all across the country. And so by continuing to talk to them, continuing having that family time for me, that has been one of the best things that I could do for them.
2: Yeah, well, I, I'm sure they're also inspired by you as a successful woman, you know, um, and and how they're going to view their the their peers, girls in particular. So I wish you continued success. And thank you so much for joining me. Um, I know how busy you are.
4: Well, thank you so much for having me.
2: That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my interview with Joanna Jones, the CEO and founder of InterQ. Have a great week, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. Not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
1: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durban Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers: hands off, my
7: reward.